Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Hey there, welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show. Today, my very special guest is Sandy Yon, Captain Sandy Yon. She is what I like to refer to as a badass boat captain. She's a leader, frankly, she's a hero, and she has that quiet confidence that I am fascinated by. Now, you might know her from a reality TV show. Many people do, from Bravo's Below Deck Mediterranean. But if you think you know Captain Sandy from watching that show, trust me when I say you don't even know the half of it. This is one of the most remarkable women I think I've ever met in my life. And she's so cool and so humble and down to earth. And you are not going to believe the harrowing story she shares with us today. Now, if you missed it, I did an earlier episode with Sandy that you'll find just before this episode, and it's completely different from this one. The previous episode, part one, that I did with Sandy, and that episode, you will learn about parenting, leadership, faith in God, and what's possible when someone believes in you. But today's episode is a little different. Today, Sandy shares with us what it was like to be in the Red Sea when her giant super yacht experienced hydraulic failure, an engine fire, stormy seas, and narrowly escaped a pirate takeover. Sandy was awarded the Distinguished Crew Award for exceptional professionalism and leadership as a yacht captain. Even the way she retells this hellacious series of events that happens on the Red Sea will help you to understand what it truly means to be a leader and to stay calm. This woman has something special. Captain Sandy Yon. Is it part of your DNA, do you think, or something that you've learned, a skill? When it's the most chaotic and you should be the most upset, I think when most people would get really anxious and energies and voices would heighten and, you know, panic sets in, you seem so calm. That's it. I think it's my personality. I don't think it's... Have you always been that way? Always. Oh, so you haven't had to teach yourself that? No. I think there are personalities. I think some people are meant to be leaders in chaos. I'll share this with you. When I had the fire... So let's help our listeners understand when you say the fire. So Okay, so I had a fire on board a boat in the Red Sea. You're in the Red Sea. A boat? What size boat? 157 foot, $54 million vessel. And I had 13 crew, and I was delivering it to Dubai for Ramadan for the guy I worked You're for. You're delivering this boat to Dubai. Right, via the Red Sea, oh my in the Suez Canal, which was amazing, actually. An amazing experience, and shocking what we had to go through. The paying off with the cigarettes. Paying off who? Everyone with their hand out. Inspectors and... Yes, it's like the pilot. You know, you're required to hire a pilot to navigate the Suez Canal who refused to accept that I was a female captain. And I just said, look, dude, we're going to do this. I'm the captain. Well, we're going to get through this. You'll be okay. And I know how to drive a boat. And then at the end of it, he was like, really? Oh, you know what I did? This is hilarious. So when a pilot telling the person at the helm, which is where you steer the boat, two degrees to starboard, Four degrees to port, it's a channel. You steer straight, okay? But they got to earn their money. The crew were like this all over the place, like zigzagging. When it was my turn, because we do watches, so I always watch. It's like a three-hour watch or four-hour watch. It was my turn to steer. You know what I did? I pushed on a pilot. 
<laughs> and so you know what I did when he goes two degrees starboard, I just turned the wheel like two degrees and it didn't do anything. And he goes four like degrees. Four. He goes, see, this is why the captain is the captain. She steers the straightest course. And I thought, you know, it's so great. Autopilot. It's so great. I know because I think, okay, I can do this and I don't have to do this. I just have to push that. So you're in the middle of the Red Sea and your boat catches on fire. Boat catches on fire. We make it through that. Boat catches on fire. And it's so interesting because we did a fire drill the day before. There's a whole story to this. And I always say I entered the gates of hell when I entered the Red Sea because we entered a, you know, a sea that's like 15 feet. Now we took a new boat to see the shakedown cruise was going to Dubai. Because the boat, the sea was head on, meaning the waves were right in front of the boat, we were pounding into the sea. Mm. Two things happened. I started Is that getting, scary? For me, it was will the welds hold together? Are the engines mounted securely in the beds of the, the hull? That That's big. where my thinking went okay. because it's a brand new boat. Yeah. I had never been in a sea like this with this boat. It was brand new. It's like flying an airplane for the first time. We got Will the wings stay on? You know, yeah. as you hit turbulence, you want to make sure that the welding, the bow started stuffing in the water and I was, it was really dangerous. And I said, we're taking on water. <gasps> Our starboard engine was overheating and I had to send a crew member to the bow. And I said, you got to strap in, put your life jacket on. Because it's so. Because we're pounding and I slowed down and it okay. made it worse. And so oh, he wow. made it to the anchor locker. Okay. And he goes, we're, I see it. There was a weld. They didn't weld it closed. So we were taking on water as he's vomiting because he's so sick. So he's on the radio. I heard him vomiting. And I'm like, we're talking on the radio. And I said, can you stop the leak? We have drains. So when the decks fill with water, they go through drains, which go overboard. This drain wasn't welded to go overboard. It was going right inside our anchor locker, okay. our chain locker. Sure. He stuck a line up the hole. He stopped the leak because we have the big lines. On, uh, yeah, I'm uh, driving. I said, you know, what do you see? He goes, oh, I find a line. But now imagine he's sitting in this bow doing this, like up and down. I'm hoping he doesn't hit his head. Crazy. It's Crazy. like huge waves. Right, huge. He comes back. So we settle that problem. Now I have an engine overheating problem. At the same time, there's a coalition of warships that monitor the Red Sea. Okay. Since September 11, NATO. Okay. The one thing that stuck out with me was an American female voice that no one would answer. But if a man would make the call to the ship, the men would answer the man. The reason she stuck out was like, like that girl's called that ship like five times. So this is like a U.S. ship that's calling out to. Right. So a coalition of warships by NATO to monitor the Red Sea for piracy. Okay. Each ship calls every vessel transiting this Red Sea. Vessel, they call you by your number. White Star. The name of our boat was White Star. What is your destination? Where did you come from? Departure time, destination, arrival time, all of this. And you answer their questions. And they go, okay, good watch is what they say. Okay. Now, I had heard this female voice call these ships, particular ships. And not one guy would respond to her. And it pissed me off. And I was like, that's wrong. And then the guy would come on and go, this is so-and-so from Warship 6-8. I'm like, that's the same ship the chick was on. (laughs) But they're going to answer her him. So this whole thing was happening at the same time. Now, the engine fails. So my engineer's like, you got to take it offline. We got to go anchor. We've lost the oil pump. And I looked to this guy. I hired an equal, Zed. He was off Disney Magic. And I said, where should we go? Uh, you know, 
the coast of Africa or the coast of Yemen. Oh my gosh. We have to anchor somewhere. And he was like so happy because he's like real navigation because he comes off cruise ships where they yeah, go yeah. the milk run. Right, right, right. So he's like paralleling on the radars. And I was just like, oh my gosh. We found two islands off of Yemen. Which are how far from where you are when you make this decision? How long are you in the water? 60, 80 miles. It was far. Now I'm only on one engine. So now I'm only doing six knots. Okay. We arrived this island at like 4.30 in the morning. And prior to that, I must say, one of my crew members' sisters was killed in a car accident at 19. So our trip was like not meant to be. And I had to get him off in Egypt. I took on security. It was awful. And then we go into the Red Sea and we're pounding and this and this. Now we're being boarded by military. And my engineer goes, and the security guy is hide. All the women need to hide. Hide? Hide. Because they would have taken us. And you had to hide too? Yes, we all hid. So now we're hiding. We're not Are you scared? No, I was in survival mode. You're not scared? You're what? I was thinking... I got to get all these crew to safety. I got to get this boat running and I need to get it delivered to Dubai. I'm the captain. You're, you're problem solving. Problem solving. Okay. Totally. Training. That's training from the, all the training I did through the years of being a captain. We go to leave. He fixes the engine. We were there for five days. It was awful. We wore out our welcome, hiding cigarettes. However, you had to hide for five days. <clears throat> Pretty much. Only when they boarded us. Okay. Because okay. you know, our boat was big. I mean, yeah. they couldn't see in our boat. Now I go to leave. 12 minutes into my trip, I heard this guy opens the door. Well, the engineer called me from the engine room and he goes, fire. The whole boat went dead. The, <sighs> the second engineer opens the door and he goes, fire. Should I pull the CO2? And I said, no. Andy's in the engine room. We have to make sure we get him out. Because mm. if you pull the CO2, you kill the engineer. Yes, I can't believe. Now, at the same time, this is all happening at once. The Filipino girl Wants to jump overboard. Who's she? She's one of the crew members. So I grab her. She wants to jump her. overboard because there's a fire. Yes. So I grab her and I go, you sit here. We're going to put the fire out. The first officer then opens the door and he goes, we got to pull the CO2. And I said, no, we're not. And his eyes were like huge. And I said, Mike, remember your position. We did a fire drill yesterday. Your job is to go on scene and tell me everything that you see and to listen to my orders. Were you this calm? I was this calm. I was Ugh. quiet. I was focused. I get that girl. Everyone, we do fire drill mode. They get Andy. He comes up to the bridge. There's a warship out there, and it's American, and I'm calling them. And I called them, and I said, um, warship 6-8, warship 6-8. This is White Star, White Star. They came back and I said, I'm an American citizen, sustained a fire on a vessel, and I'm floating in Yemen territory. And you know what he said to me? This was two days after Bush was reelected, and all the crew hated Americans. I had a guy from California on there, and he goes, I'm going to tell him I'm Canadian. I'm like, man up, dude. Get some balls. Because you look (laughs) like you're from California. You sound like you're from California. They're going to kill us all anyway if they get here first. Because the pirates were on their way. Because the security guy goes, the pirates are on the way. They heard your call. And I'm like, you stop. So he's telling you this? Yeah. I go, you stop talking to me. I go, when the pirates are off the bow of the boat, then you can tell me the pirates are here. Until then, do not talk to me anymore. Do you have weapons? No, we don't have weapons. So the warship. The warship said this. You are our priority. You'll remain our priority until you're safe. I was like... How good did that feel? Amazing. It was a U.S. flag, and I was like, I'm sorry. So they boarded us. They thought it was a hostage situation, and we had to follow their protocol. And then they finally came on the boat, and I go, hey, you can leave the Canadian. The one guy said he was going to be Canadian. (laughs) 
We'll get back to the show in just a second, but I wanted to take this opportunity to thank our show sponsor, Sleep Number Mattress. I don't have someone sponsor the podcast unless it is 100% something I believe in and have used and love. You've been hearing me talk about my Sleep Number Mattress long before they became a sponsor for the show. That's because Brett and I have been sleeping on a Sleep Number Mattress for 17 years. Our neighbors recommended that we get one 17 years ago, and they said, if you don't love it, we'll buy it off of you. And we were like, okay, that is a pretty serious testimonial. And they were dead on. It's amazing, this bed. You can adjust one person's side to be soft and the other person's side to be firm. If one person's like tossing and turning at night, you don't wake up your partner. It's completely quiet. It's the most comfortable mattress you'll ever sleep on. And you know, sometimes your body's just sore and you want a softer mattress, or sometimes you feel like you need a firmer mattress. Well, you can do that without having to get a different mattress when you have a sleep number mattress. We recently got the Sleep Number 360, which is their limited edition smart bed because I'm a smart girl. Good news. The Sleep Number 360 limited edition is currently 50% off. Now, I want to make a serious recommendation. Do what Brett and I did. Go into a Sleep Number store. You've seen them at the malls, etc. They've got over 575 locations. So, I mean, there's going to be one by you. Make an investment in your health. Is there anything more important than your sleep? I mean, you can live without food. You cannot live without sleep. You can also learn more by going to sleepnumber.com forward slash Shalene. And that's how you can find out where there's a store near you. But you should do this. I'm telling you, because the Sleep Number Bed is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. It's also pretty cool to be able to say that they have the highest in customer service satisfaction for all mattresses as rated by J.D. Power in 2018. That's pretty powerful. Okay, so to learn more, go to sleepnumber.com forward slash Shaleen. And now back to the show. That's hilarious. I mean, I was like having fun. Then we get totally to anyone, Yemen. Is anyone losing it? Like just completely like crying? And okay, so when the engineer came on the bridge, he tried, uh, the first officer put his hand on his shoulder and goes, he saved the ship. Because they pulled the CO2 when I told him not to. Oh. And he heard it and he panicked. And so the smoke, we're su- the bulkheads are called A60 rated, but this one wasn't. So the smoke was pouring through the control room where he was. That was CO2. Wow. Andy knew that. So when Andy heard who pulled the CO2, he goes, I'm gonna, you tried to kill me. And he launched. I get in between two men. No. And I stopped him. Meanwhile, we're doing this. Okay. The, the boat's like moving like, all over the place. Oh my. Yes. God. How is this not a movie? I do have a development deal. So the screenplay, the second round of the screenplay is supposed to be finished the end of this month. Who would you love to play you? Margot Robbie. Marco Robbie. Interesting. Who's second? Charlize. Charlize Theron? Yeah, because I was a lot younger. Hey, listen, I, I love it. So long story short, we get rescued. The warship actually, so the warship says, where would you like us to tow you? And this is actually in the Navy newspaper. I was like, Florida? <laughs> I want to go home. And they go, we would love to tow you there, but we're going to tow you to Hadida. And Hadida was a port in Yemen. Now, remember this. New boat, still under warranty. The shipyard owner calls me. He finds, well, oh, my first call. That's what I didn't tell you. So basically, when you lose power, you're supposed to have 24 hours of battery life for communication. Okay. I'm thinking, boat's broke, 
I probably got a few hours of battery life to, for a satellite phone. So my first call was to my sister. And I said, I sustained a fire. I'm okay. We're floating in Yemen territory. The warship's on its way. This is before the warship. There are 13 of us. If I don't call you in 30 minutes, go to the U.S. Embassy and tell mm. them we've been taken hostage. And this is our last known position. And she's like, Sandy, come home. I'm like, I'm trying. But that was it. And so the warship showed up. I was able to call Michelle. I go, we're fine. We're in the care of the warship. Now I'm towed to Hadida. The warship leaves. Shiny $54 million boat in Hadida, Yemen. I don't know. There's like a civil war going on there now. All Western crew. Forget female. Western. Then I call the guy that owned the, the boat. Delivered. I get, he goes, how many hours are in the engine? Because he didn't want I was like, yeah, we're way under the warranty. You're responsible. He sends because he had military contracts. All of a sudden, we have these rocket launchers next to us. Like, you know how they have the machine guns in the back of the truck? Yeah. It's like an old Toyota with this yeah, massive. Totally. Or, it was insane. And all these guards. It was Ramadan. And my security guy's like, I have intel. The chatter's on land. It's just a matter of time before we're captured. And I said, he goes, we got to get rid of the crew. There are too many people here. I go, what do you mean? He goes, we got to fly them out. I said, well, okay, so who's left on the boat? He's like, you and me. So I said, wait a minute. I called the owner. I go, Mr. Majid, we're all going to fly out, and the security guy's going to stay. <laughs> and he goes, you're the captain. You have to stay with the boat. He goes, you can fly the rest of the crew out. I tried. So yes. I had to stay for 13 days in hell and every day. So that. just you and the security guy. Everyone else has flown. Not off. yet. So before they flew, there was another moment in my mind. Okay, this is where we're going to be held hostage. So we all get into the back of a pickup truck. As you drive through town, you see eight-year-old kids holding machine guns. Everyone's looking at us. Now, the donkeys are walking the street. There are no red lights. It's dirt. It is third world. I'll show you some pictures. Do you think you're going to be killed? Yes. I actually think this is where I look at everyone looking at me. And I thought this is where we go to be held hostage as we're being driven to immigrations. Thank God. Were you I praying mean, the whole time? Oh, yeah, of course. I was like. At this point, it's you and who? My 13 crew. Okay. Oh, all 13 of you. Okay. When we get back, then the security guy's like, we got to get them out. So we flew them out the next day, and then him and I were there for 13 days, and every day, I told him, I go, you are up all night, I sleep during the day. And that's what we did. What was your bond when that was over? I think because I didn't deal with any emotions, what happened for me, and I feel bad because I never reached out to the crew. I had malaria. I got so sick. The guy, his friend was the security for the ambassador of uh, Britain. We went to Sanaa to fly out. I was so sick, he carried me to the car. By the time we got to Sanaa, I was really ill. So we landed in Dubai, and the guy goes, Captain, you need doctor. Immediately, they looked at me. So the guy took me to the doctor, and I'm sitting around, and I see all these baby pictures. And I said, what kind of physician are you? He goes, I'm a pediatrician. <laughs> he said, there's 500 strands of malaria where you're from. Most likely, it's one of these 100, and this is the medication you're going to take. And I flew home. I had to see the owner. I was in Dubai for like four days, and then I was still very ill, or maybe two days. And then I flew to Menorca, where my friends were, <laughs> and I stayed in their apartment. And she said I slept for like three days. And then when I ended up back in Italy with the boat, 
we reconvened the crew. But during that time, I never called. I never checked on them. And I felt so bad. Like, I didn't see how their state was, but I was really sick. And then we end up back on board. Uh, now did they ever call, though? To No, they didn't. But I'm their captain. Like, and I never did. And you know what? The management company never did. So, hello. With an experience like that, it's got to be hard sometimes to relate to just a normal person who's like, I had a week at work this you week. Know, I had some a boat fire. Right. And I've had many. That's not my first. Like, I've had several boat fires because the one thing that people don't realize. But you, I mean, this is a life-altering experience. The kind of thing that most people would have post-traumatic stress from. Right. When I saw Captain Phillips, I had it. Mm -hmm. All these years later, Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. like, I had a visceral, I had a Mm -hmm. physical experience in that movie theater when I watched Captain Phillips. It was wild. And I was like, what just happened? Who was the actor that? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. I don't remember all of the specifics of that movie, but it seems now that you're saying that, it sounds very familiar. Like, very much like your story. Yeah, well, mine was on a super yacht, and I had a lot more shit happen. <laughs> like, way more. Yeah. I mean, I ended up, you know, I lost an engine. I had a kid die. His sister died. His parents called. This captain called the satellite phone, and he goes, Dan's sister was killed in a car crash last night. She's 18, and he was 21. Mm-mm-mm. And I had to look at this kid three days away from land and say, no. Dan, you need to call home. And he just lost it. And then, you know what the crazy part was? Was this little bird came out of nowhere and followed our boat all the way to Egypt. Don't tell me stuff like that. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Wow. He tried to come back and go to work, and he goes, I can't. He's, I go, go be with your family. Go mourn. I mean, she was so young, and he, but the bird? I mean, come on. Can you imagine? And then that was the start of our trip. I think I'm born for, I get really calm. The training kicked in. We train for a reason. They train you, train you. We do fire drills once a month. We do man of war drills once a month. We train constantly. When we take on new crew, we do fire drills, man of war drills. We do safety briefings. We walk through that vessel. So I guarantee you've had CPR. You could probably do CPR because the brain, you just, it kicks in. I can't describe it. And how I handled it was mind-blowing to me. It was like, wow. So my sister told me a story, and she goes, Sandy, I got really, I just, for that moment, and that was God. I got quiet. I was zero focus. The only time in my life I'm ever zero focus was in scenarios like that or in a docking situation. Otherwise, the mind is full of chatter. And my sister told me a story, and she goes, I was zero focus. Everything got really quiet. I go, that was my experience. Everything just got really quiet. I heard nothing. I didn't hear the screaming, the yelling, or, you know, I heard nothing. The crashing of everything on the boat as we're swaying back and forth, and the training kicked in. It was like a program. And it was like when something would arise, I dealt with it. And I went back to my main goal was to get the warship to rescue us. The girl tried to jump overboard. I grabbed her and said, sit here. You're safe. You're with me. You're with the captain. Wow. I got the power of the mic, the radio. They're coming. I go, the Americans are coming. I was hit by a car. I had cancer. And all in one year, and, and the person I was in a relationship with left. 
And I was like, really? I'm a good person. That happened. My crash February 21st. They found kidney cancer. I had my surgery in March. By June, I was offered the show. I was told, hey, you up for this? And I was like, okay. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go through the motions and see what happens. I think because I was headed into a business with someone, I think I had the crash to discover the kidney cancer. The person left. I let go of a lot. So the doors could be open for this TV show. Because I know I have a greater purpose on this planet. Yes. And it's to help people and inspire kids. Because I want to be that role model for kids that I didn't have. What I hear from this, it's just like everything. You're like, oh, yeah, car accident, cancer, pirates. Just the chaos and the craziness of it all. It all seems like you're so grateful for it all. There's always a silver lining. You just never know. And when you're in it, like I'm witnessing someone right now go through something very difficult. And I always say this to the crew. It's easy to do a good job when everything's going great. It's how we show up when it isn't. That's what defines our character. How are you going to show up? When it's all falling apart. Who are you in this game of life? Who are you in this situation? Tune into that song that inspires you. Because really music was a very big, is a very big part of my life. And when I feel like I don't have the energy or I'm feeling like I'm getting a lot of pushback, I'll play a song that really gives me that drive. So I changed the station in my head. I hit my knees and I ask for help. And then I do the next right thing. And I follow my gut feeling. Does this feel right? Does this feel wrong? If it feels wrong, I'm not doing it. And if you don't really know how you feel, then don't make a decision. You wait for that feeling. You wait for that answer. If you are in a situation where you're not happy and you feel like you're losing yourself and your soul is a little dim, and leave. Because there are people out there like me, like you, that want to help other people. You're just on the wrong boat. (laughs) Change your boat, right? And learn to navigate. People always say you made it in a male-dominated world. How did I do that? Here's how I did it. I learned my skill. I learned how to be a yacht captain. I learned navigation. I learned how to drive a boat. John Flynn taught me. I learned to the ability where I'm very confident in what I do, that I don't have to go out and prove to anyone who I am as a captain, because I know it. Yeah. And I have that confidence. And when you're sitting across from an owner and they're interviewing you, well, I interview them. What is your goals with your vessel? What is your goals? And I put it right back on them because I'm not only being interviewed, I'm interviewing them. Do I want to work for him? Is this going to really fit my life? Because it isn't about just making money. It's about living life and enjoying it. You interview them because you are the captain of your life. It is you saying, I'm not just floating in the ocean and getting banged around by the waves. I'm going to chart my course. That's right. And that comes from respect and belief and just like that knowledge. myself. Do something where you respect yourself. Just don't sit around and watch TV. Get out and do something where you respect yourself because that's where it comes from is because I respect Sandy. And I've been turned down for jobs because I am a female, but I didn't focus on that. What I did was I went to the next boat. I went to the next interview. So I let it go. It's like, okay, next. That wasn't meant for me. When I find resistance, so if I pull a boat in and I got all these people looking at me. She's going to crash. It's a woman. I wink. I smile. (laughs) I just 
diffuse it through my smile or a yeah. wink or you know oh that's so fun yes i don't i go the other way if someone cuts me off in traffic i go good one because i'm <laughs> sure i've done it you know or i don't if i don't blow my horn unless it's necessary i just think sometimes you have to alter your course to get to your destination storms will arise you will have to navigate that and you just do it with grace that's it really just think about how you would want to be treated really that's what i do and i think about what are my motives and well how will my actions affect the ripple effect you throw a stone in the water i don't know i just want to be a good person i want everyone to follow their passion and if you're not in it go find it it's pure gold i triple dog dare you to not feel something inside of you that motivation after hearing that sandy Thank you so much for sharing everything with us. Thank you for driving all the way from Orange County. Which, for those of you who don't know, you never know if it's going to be an hour or four hours, but it was worth the trip because that was just pure gold. Thank you so much. Thank you. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.